0: Welcome everyone, my name is Darren Snow, and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois, and I am so glad that you are joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus called Walking in the Light. Amen Amen and amen. Isn't that beautiful? We're about a whisker away from going full Pentecostal. You guys realize somebody's going to get slain in the spirit today. I don't know. And that comes from a Pentecostal background. Oh, by the way, I was raised in a wonderful Assembly God Pentecostal church. Isn't it beautiful to come together in unity together to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Can't beat it. Can't beat it. All glory to God. All glory to God. Thank you for Pastor Mike and all of our team. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's uh, it's good to be back. My name is Darren So by the way. I'm the senior pastor here at Crossroads and. On behalf of Pastor Caleb, Pastor Juan, uh, our staff that's around the place, I saw Tasha's over here somewhere, and Deb, and uh, on behalf of all of our elders, we we just want to welcome you to this place. For those of you that are watching us online, welcome to you as well. It's good to be back. I was uh, not here last week. I was uh, back home in Texas and had a wonderful time uh, visiting my family, my two brothers, and uh, their uh, spouses and kids got to spend time celebrating my mom's birthday. I can't tell you how old she is because she wouldn't talk to me for a week if I did that. But we had a wonderful time celebrating, and I got to to worship at my uh, my older brother's church, First Baptist Church in Bullard, Texas. Pastor Scott Brown. We had just a wonderful time. It's always good to go. It's always good to come back. And. And to come back to such a beautiful time in in worship, there's just nothing better than being gathered together in the name of Jesus. Uh, If you are visiting with us, uh, we are in week number 10 of a 26-week series. Uh, We are making our way slowly but surely all the way through the book of Ephesians. Uh, The Apostle Paul, his letter to the church at Ephesus. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you have your Bibles, turn or tap. Many of you, most of you have uh, the uh, electronic version, and we're going to look this morning at verses one through thirteen. Verses one through thirteen. Now, when you're looking at verses one through thirteen, there's just a chance that you might be thinking to yourself, "Boy, pastor, we have ma- have we bitten off more than we can chew." Uh, this morning, uh, looking at 13 verses, because I think you will agree with me that the, the the Apostle Paul, his verses are like dog years. You know what I mean? You know how one year for us is like seven years of a dog? Well, one year of, or, or excuse me, one verse of the Apostle Paul is like 13 verses of anybody else, all right? So you may be looking at that going, oh my goodness gracious, is this 91 verses? I did the math, all right? Well, don't, I promise you, you're, we're going to get out here on time, all right? I promise you that. And our task today may not seem as big as what it might seem when you are looking at those 13 verses. And I'll tell you why. Because we're going to break the text down into two parts. We're going to look first at verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to unpack verses 7 through 13. Now, we're going to go through verses 1 through 6 a little bit quicker than what we would normally do. Why? Because Paul here, uh, in those first six verses, is re-emphasizing something that he said earlier in chapter 2 that we did a deep dive into two weeks ago. So if you were here two weeks ago, hopefully this is going to ring a bell with you. If you weren't, then you're going to have enough to understand what it was that Paul is saying before we move on and spend a little more time unpacking verses 7 through 13. So with all that being said, Ephesians chapter 3, let me read to you verses 1 through 6, and then away we will go. All right, for this reason, I, Paul, the Apostle Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, Paul, for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, excuse me, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other or previous generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, capital S, talking about God, the Holy Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are... Fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Okay, like I said, when we start reading Paul and studying Paul, he always throws a lot at us. Now, if you're visiting, I mentioned this just briefly a few moments ago, but I want you to understand this. The, the book of Ephesians is a letter, was, was actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul, and he was writing this letter from where? From a Roman prison. He was in jail, from a, Ro, a Roman prison, and he was writing it to the church at Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, all right, what we call the letter of Ephesians. And the the recipients of this letter, who were at that church in Ephesus were primarily who or what? Gentiles. Gentiles. You've heard it the last couple of weeks. Pastor Caleb mentioned it last week. I mentioned it the week before when we really started unpacking what, uh, what Paul was saying here in this new revelation. Now, when you look at verses 1 through 6, there is one topic, one focus is probably a better word, in those six verses, and there is a word that he uses no less than three times, and then you'll see that he uses again in verse 9. What is that word? Some I mean, of you said it, mystery. You say, it's a mystery. That, that is his focus here, uh, is this mystery. And this mystery that he is talking about is nothing less than a divine, divine, spiritual mystery. Now, when we couple of thousand years later, when we think about a mystery in the classic sense of the word and someone uh, trying to solve it, uh, we might think about some of the great detectives that have gone before us who are used to solving cases or mysteries. So maybe you're thinking about Sherlock Holmes. Now, how many of you, you know, so I pulled this up and and I, and I, Put it in our visuals. I probably should have Robert Downey Jr. in there. Anybody seen the Robert Downey Jr. versions? They're really, really good. So we think about you know a, a detective, and there's a mystery, and there's a whodunit. And, and in this case, Sherlock Holmes is, is going to unravel the ministry or, uh, mystery of Figured Out. But this mystery that Paul is talking about isn't like that in the classic sense of kind of the whodunit. Um, this word mystery... This word mystery that is translated out of the original language Greek into our word mystery uh, comes from a little Greek word that's called mysterion, mysterion, and I wanted to to give you the definition of it so you would have a full understanding and appreciation even of this mystery that Paul is talking about, so I've got it up here on the screen. So this divine spiritual mystery that comes from the little Greek word mysterion, something which is beyond our natural knowledge. In other words, Bill, you wouldn't be able to figure this out in and of yourself. It is beyond our natural knowledge, but has been disclosed to believers, followers of Jesus, those who have God the Holy Spirit living within them, has been disclosed to believers by divine revelation through no less than God the Holy Spirit. So again, this is a deep and a rich divine mystery that Paul is talking about. Now, what is this mystery? Well, we don't need Sherlock Holmes or Robert Downey Jr. Uh, to figure this out because if you look at verse 6, he says it again. Again, he spoke to this early in chapter 2, but he's making it crystal clear what this mystery is. Let's read verse 6. He says, This mystery is that the Gentiles, non-Jews, so you've got Jews, you've got everybody else, Jews and Gentiles, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, body of Christ, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the Gospels. So again, this is what we spent the entire message a couple of weeks ago unpacking in chapter 2. And so he is re-emphasizing this here so that his original audience and we today would get this. And that is this, not only is salvation for Jews and Gentiles, but now the two have become one. Do you remember this from two weeks ago? The two have become one. With the coming of Christ, with the coming of God the Holy Spirit, one new humanity, one new human race, and, as if that's not enough, one unified and equal Body, which we call the, the church, the bride of Christ. One humanity, one race, one unified and equal body, the church. Now, we look at this and we go, well, yeah, <laughs> duh, okay, we, we get it. But to a first century Jew, this would have been nothing less than mind-blowing. Now, salvation For the Gentiles, that they would have been cool about. Why would they have been cool about that? Because that was prophesied all through the Old Testament. That the Messiah was coming for all. You can go back to uh, Genesis 12, uh, 2 and 3, I believe it is. But Genesis uh, chapter 12. So that wouldn't have been any big deal. Uh, Okay, so salvation for the Gentiles, no big deal. Equality with the Gentiles? Equality Remember how we talked a couple of weeks ago that, that the Jews kept them at arm's length, that they would speak down to them, that they looked down upon them, and the Gentiles gave it right back to them? Remember that whole dynamic that we talked about? And, and, and so when Paul gives this, his original first century Jewish honor, they're saying, no way, no way, no way, no way. You know, Paul, we love you, but no way. And Paul is saying, oh way, <laughs> oh way, way. He is completely blowing up their paradigm. Again, mind-blowing to a first-century Jew, that there is a, Jesus has inaugurated a new way of living. He has inaugurated this new humanity, this new race, and we are all equal, all of us, no matter the color of our skin, no matter what language we may speak, Jew or Gentile, all is equal at the foot of the cross. That's what he's saying here, okay? So, the mystery is clear. I hope it's clear to you. Let's move on. Now let's look at verses 7 through 13, and this is going to be our heavy lifting for the time that we have remaining. So let's just jump in. Of this gospel that he was just speaking of, of this gospel, I, Paul, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, there's some humility that Paul is giving, this grace was given, now look here, this grace was given to do what? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the, here's our word again, the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the Church, through the church, the body of Christ, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities where? Where? In the heavenly places. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to it. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom, this should take you back about a month ago, in whom we have boldness and access With confidence. Remember that little holy swag we talked about a few weeks ago? All right. Uh, Boldest access with confidence through our faith in him. And so I ask you, he is saying, not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. (sighs) (laughs) okay as usual like I said his verses are like in dog years or something okay there is so much there let me boil this down all that's in there let me boil it down for you to to a couple of of points of truth okay the first thing that I want you to see there is that Paul is making it very clear that what was given to him Paul was um, a ministry and a mission He was very clearly given a ministry and a mission. And what was that mission that he was given by no less than God himself? He was called to do what? Don't you love when I do this to you? He was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. You see that right there? That was his calling. He was called to... Did somebody know it? Somebody know it? I knew we had somebody there, okay? To preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And this was his life's work. And a big chunk of the New Testament... Is focused on Paul doing just that. We have the book of Acts. I'm going to reference Acts a couple of times, okay, in the book of Acts that chronicles not only Paul, but primarily, Paul, on his missionary journeys, you have that in the book of Acts, and then you have what we call the Pauline epistles, which are these letters just like the letter that we're taking about six months to go through, the book of Ephesians, his letter to the church at Ephesus. A big part, a big chunk of the New Testament is focused on Paul fulfilling this. Now, we can take this life work, and I think we can, we can boil it down to three, a lot of other things, but three specific parts uh, to this ministry and mission that he has been given, the first one have been uh, just simply uh, evangelizing. Evangelization—not a word that we hear a whole lot. Look at verse uh, eight. At verse eight, he, he sums this up. He's called to do this, preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ and bringing light to the mystery of salvation. So he was called to preach the gospel, specifically, primarily to. Um, the Gentiles. So that's the first thing. The second thing that he was called to do was planting churches. And if you read through the book of Acts, you will see that is a big part of what he did. The church at Ephesus is an example of that. We know that he spent about two years there in Ephesus. And so this is the letter that he is writing back to these brothers and sisters that he loved and cared for so much. That's the second part of that life work. And then the third part would be writing these incredible, encouraging letters back to them and teaching sound doctrine and refuting a lot of the really bad doctrine that was already going around there. So you talk about ministry and mission. So let's remember now he's writing this letter from a Roman prison. Uh, as best we know he he never got out of that Roman prison. He would eventually be martyred. But you can imagine as he is writing this letter, the joy I think that he was feeling and looking back on what God had called him to do. I think specifically the joy and the love that he had for this church uh, at Ephesus. And I think also, I would guess very with humility, but uh, that he would have enjoyed a deep sense of satisfaction at what God had called him to. Okay? And yet, with that deep sense of, of joy, that deep sense of satisfaction, fulfillment, let me tell you what, again, go home and read the book of Acts, because Paul he experienced a whole lot of highs. But let me tell you, he experienced more than his fair share of lows. There was heartache, there was persecution, and there were some seriously, seriously hard times. And, you know, again, we talk about, we try to be very honest about the Christian life. And, you know, the Christian life, I wish was a bowl of cherries every day, but it's not. And, and go look at Paul's life. Matter of fact, Paul, in his second letter to the church at Corinth, He detailed, he lists out everything that he's gone through. Let me read you just a little part of this from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now look at this, ready? This is his experience. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Okay, five times, 39 lashes. That alone would kill a human being, all right? Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. That was a day in the park. Um, Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day I was adrift at sea okay uh going back to when he was stoned go to Acts chapter 14 this afternoon read that so they they stone him they beat him so bad they think that he's either dead or about to die they drag him outside of the city to leave him to die and he eventually gets up and keeps right on going Okay, I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, the Jews, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Now, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play at the Ford Theater? <laughs> Some of you have Google it. all right? What a life this guy led. All for the, for the mission and, and ministry that had God that God had called him to, that he was you know, intent upon fulfilling this, and now after doing all of these things for God, here he is now in this Roman prison, giving his life to everything that God had called him to, and now he finds himself here in this Roman prison, and yet look what he's telling his readers. He says, don't lose heart. And, and he's saying, don't feel sorry for me. Don't lose heart. He is willingly, gladly, I would even say, willing to suffer for the cause of the gospel. He would say it was so, so well worth it. Let's pause here, shall we? Let's pause for a few moments. Throwing a lot at you. I think when we read and study the life of Paul, not only what we're looking at here in the book of Ephesians, but, but broader, all, all of his letters, Certainly the book of Acts. I'll speak for myself. It is so easy to look at the life of the Apostle Paul in wonder and in awe. And I would say rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, he was the Apostle Paul. If you're, if you're not familiar with the whole story, all right, before Paul became Paul, he was who? He was Saul. And Saul was a what? He was a Pharisee. That meant that he was one of the most learned religious human beings on the planet. It was not unusual for a Pharisee to have the entire, what we call, the Old Testament memorized. Okay, I feel good when I can say Jesus wept, right? (laughs) Paul's got the entire, his entire Bible, the Old Testament, memorized. Now, when Paul was Saul, what was his life's work at that time while he was Saul? What was he doing? Thank you what his life mission at that point was persecuting and killing Christians. He'd throw them in jail. What he really wanted, he he wanted to eradicate them. He was was on a mission of genocide. That's that's not being over the top. all right. And then if you know the story in the book of Acts, he's on his way doing whatever he's doing, and then all of a sudden he's on the road to Damascus, and he has the Damascus Road experience. What a moment this must have been. He's kind of riding along, you know, doing his thing. And the next thing he knows, God literally knocks him off, knocks him down, and says with an audible voice, Paul, dude. I don't know if he said dude, but he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul's life was never the same. You want to talk about just a wild, incredible Uh, unbelievable kind of salvation story. And and, and so then he goes through this incredible salvation experience, and then he takes time, God prepares him, and then then he just goes out to do what it is that God had called him to do, as we talked about a little bit earlier. God calls him to to preach the gospel. That's what he does. God calls him to to plant churches. That's what he does. Uh, God calls him to write these deeply profound theological essays. That's what he does. And when he gets persecuted, and I just read to you, persecution was his middle name, all right? He, he, just, he, he, he just gets back up and, and away he goes again. I mean, Paul was the original Energizer Bunny, wasn't he? He never stopped. Didn't matter what happened. Didn't matter what they did to him. He had been given a ministry. He had been given a mission. And nothing, nothing, nothing was going to hold him back from doing that. So that's why it's so easy for us, again, right, rightfully so, but to look at um, the, not only the Apostle Paul's, but, but looking back at the incredible patriarchs and the matriarchs of our faith and to say, wow, thank God for these men and women who did exactly what it was that God had called them to do, had given their lives for this ministry and mission and who were so brave. I mean, we look at church planters. I think about our our, our dear friend, Pastor Kyle at Gospel City Church, formerly Mission Church out of Montgomery. I mean, just in awe. This guy got four kids and just did what God called him to do, which is to go start a church out in Montgomery, the first church plant over there in a hundred years. I'm in awe of people like it. Missionaries, who go around the world? So many of them still in harm's way. Just in awe. You know, you look at the the Billy Grahams or the Billy Sundays or or name name he or she these and it's so easy. To look at it and go thank you God for great men and women of the faith oh my goodness what an incredible job that they are doing but what I would say even though there's nothing wrong on the surface with those what I would say is hold on a second slow down just a little bit not so fast why? because God calls us the likes of you and me to exactly the same life praise God for Paul praise God for church planners praise God for missionaries Praise God. But saints, do not miss this. We're all level at the foot of the cross. God, if you're a follower of Jesus, if God the Holy Spirit is living within you, he calls us to the exact same life. Now, he may not be calling you to a church planter. He may not be calling you to face incredible problems persecution and some of those things but saints the life of ministry and mission is exactly the same now let's go back to what we looked at and and unpacked in Ephesians chapter 1 if you're a follower of Jesus you have been called what's the word that Paul used in Ephesians 1 he said not only have you been called he said you have been chosen remember that You have have been called. You have been chosen. You have been given new life in Christ. And when you receive that free gift of salvation that you do not deserve, that you could never earn, then all of a sudden, whether you understand it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you're uncomfortable with it or not, but now all of a sudden you are part of something so much greater than yourself, which is the church macro. Not just little crossroads. You're part of the church. You're now part of the bride of Christ. And as a believer, as a Christian, with God the Holy Spirit now living within you as part of the church, then again, whether you understand it or not or really like it or not, whether you're comfortable with it, you have been given a ministry and you have been given a mission. That's part of what we sign up for. That's it. That's the life that God calls all of us to. What is that ministry and mission? Look at verse 10. He says it here a little bit different way than what you're used to to seeing it, but he's saying the exact same thing there in verse 10, which is this. So that through the church, so that through the church, that's me and that's you. Rob, that is you. Michelle, that is you. Alan, that is you. Sherry, that is you. Pastor Juan and Mateo, that is you. Kathy and Missy, that is you. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are part of the church and you have been given a ministry and a mission so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. So the mission and ministry is to share the wisdom of God. That's just another way that Paul is saying you have been given, we have been given a ministry and mission to share the gospel. That's all that he's saying there to the whole creation. What's our purpose in life? To give all praise and all glory to God and to live out the mission and to live out the ministry that he has given to us. Now, are there other parts to that ministry and mission? Of course there are. Caring for our families, men, you have been given an incredible ministry. You have been given an incredible, your first ministry is to your family. First and foremost, to your family. All right? And so there are different things that God gives to us, but the one thing that we all have in common, Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, he said, and Jesus said to them, this is is it. He said, go into all the world. He said, go into all the world and do what? Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We're called to proclaim the gospel to anyone who will listen. Men, women, teenagers, children, children. And look at verse, I don't want you to miss that. Look at verse 10. And Paul says that when we are the people of God that he calls us to be, when we are unashamedly with love, with grace, with love and with grace, but when we proclaim the missile, look what he says in verse 10. He says that the spiritual realm takes notice. Literally, not only the angelic beings in heaven, but as well as the demons. in hell. listen to me. When, when, when the name of Jesus is proclaimed, the demons shudder. At the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess someday that Jesus Christ is Lord. When that day is coming, I don't know, but it's coming. Saints, what I'm trying to say is when we take seriously what Paul gives us here and in so many other places, when God is proclaimed, when the word of God is proclaimed, God moves and lives are transformed. It's the the wildest thing. That God uses the likes of us. But when the word of God is proclaimed, God moves and lives are transformed. When people hear the simple good news of Jesus, and they believe and they receive, literally, the angelic host in heaven are praising God. When people come to know Jesus, the whole earth shakes. At the name of Jesus, it's not about us. Let me be as crystal clear as I can be. It's not about us at all. It's always all about Him. Saints, I want to share something. Uh, share something with you. And, and, and as I said to the, to the first service, I say this, and I think you know my heart. I think you know Pastor Caleb's heart, Pastor Juan's heart. I share this with all the humility with all the humility in my being. That we are in such a sweet, sweet season in the life of our church. And what do I mean by that? Again, beyond any of us. Saints, real time Now, people are coming to know Jesus. People are coming to know Jesus. I sat with Caleb this week. It's not the first conversation we've had. There are times, so we're sitting there in my office, and there are times that we're sitting there, and we look at each other literally like this is is so beyond This is so beyond us, what God is doing. We could sit and tell you real-world stories, like right now, of people coming to know Jesus. We can tell you real stories that people, many of them, for the first time in their lives, all of a sudden have a hunger for God. Caleb will tell you, he's giving out Bibles like candy these days. Literally, the people who not that long ago, if you'd have told them that they were going to be opening up the word of God and they were going to be hungry for it, they would have looked at you like you had three heads. This week I got to have a conversation with a young lady who said, I've never read my, Bi- I've never read my Bible. What do I do? And I'm in my car on the way home. She doesn't know it. I've got tears coming down my faith. That there's, this, there's a woman, and there's many of them, but this woman called me and said, how do I read my, what do I do, where do I start? Do I read Genesis all the way through? I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. <laughs> but people now with a hunger for God, people that, that had never thought of, of getting in group life or getting in a circle, now we're, now we're starting to, to be discipled. And to know what, it, what real community is like. man. three weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were, we were floating. We had 52 men that went on our first men's retreat in years. And by the way, we thought we were doing really good. And the women of our church said, hey, guys, hold my beer. <laughs> 240 women gathered last week. 240 women. And I was, I was down in Texas, and I'm seeing all of the social media stuff. Man, I'm getting to be such a crybaby in my old age. See what you have to look forward to, Caleb? But seriously, I'm seeing, I'm seeing and, and, and the ladies are doing that dance, you know, Liza's doing her thing, and, and I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm trying to, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, jumping on our social media. And, and women coming to know Jesus. Women falling in love with Jesus. Women getting connected into community. When the people of God are just simply the people of God, And we're not worried about who gets any of the acclaim because none of it's ours anyway. It's all him. Do you understand me, saints? It's all him. But when the word of God is proclaimed, God moves. I don't know how it works. It's beyond my path. All I know is God moves. And lives are transformed. And what in the world could possibly be better than being a follower of Jesus and being used by him, yes, for our good, but even so more importantly, for his glory? So saints, when we have an understanding of these things, we go back to lastly there at verse 12. And again, this is what we talked about a, a, a month or so ago. When we have an understanding of who he is, when we have an understanding of who we are in Christ, then we can step out boldly with boldness, with confidence, with just a little bit of that holy swag. Not pride, not arrogance, just confidence in who he is and who we are in him. And the word of God is proclaimed. Saints, listen to me. Okay, we've got a city to save, and he is the God of this city, and he is mighty to save. If we will but be the people of God that he's calling us to be, he he will do great things. And when times get difficult, and they will, when you get shunned, and you will, When you walk away and someone rolls their eyes, and they will, all right? Like Paul, we say, listen, I'm no martyr. All right, don't feel sorry for me. We simply do what God is calling us to do. We are the people that God is calling us to be, and we step out. Because he's the God of this city, he's the God of this country, he is the God of this world. And we can look at what is going on, especially in our country and in all culture, and we think, God, where is he? I assure you, God is still on the throne, and he is still in control. And a sparrow doesn't drop, but that he doesn't know it. He's the God of the city. Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road, right here in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Walking in the Light.